Hello, sister. Hello, sister. <laughs> you really went in on it this time. <laughs> Welcome back to A Blade I Think of Rosewood. I'm Haley. And I'm Morgan. And hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, so, um, do you think every podcast, like, do, are, do they remain this awkward and it's just, like, edited out? I, I don't know. It's probably an us thing. Yeah. Probably. But how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Are you going to ask me how I'm doing? <laughs> uh, so, Haley, what's new with you? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, yesterday I had a bad day. I found out that somebody had somehow gotten my bank account details. Yeah. So I, you know, cried. Yeah. Went to the bank, sorted it out. But to make myself feel better, I made a box of brownies. And I've got to say, I don't think I've ever had a homemade brownie that compares to box brownies. Yeah, box brownies are always the best. To the point where I almost don't know why anybody makes them from scratch. Yeah. I, because they're also, if I recall, the like, I had a roommate once who would make brownies from scratch. They were pretty labor intensive. It wasn't a simple cake, even. It no. it seemed like a lot of work. And box brownies like are melting chocolate and like oh yeah, it, yeah. And box brownies are just literally so perfect. Yeah, I don't know what anybody is doing. If if you listeners of the pod, if you have a box or if you have a homemade brownie recipe that you swear. Is better is than box better brownies. than just your standard like Duncan Hines, even like a Betty Crocker, even a generic box brownie. I'll say, yeah, send it our way. I'll make it. Yeah, I will. Yeah, what is what is the best brand of? I usually box brownies? I usually go for Duncan Hines. I don't know if it's the best, but I've also had like a Ghirardelli. I was gonna say I think it's, it's delicious. Ghirardelli. I mean, like, yeah, like, box, I feel like Dunk Hines is the one that you, you can always find. Yeah. And obviously the Ghirardelli one is more expensive. Yeah. So, like, but, like, I think the worst box brownie is probably still better than the most homemade brownies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I haven't had every box brownie. Me either. So, <laughs> any of the major box brownies. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I... I can't speak to the generic brand a, that's at your like random generic generic dollar your random, tree. Yeah, yeah, I can't speak to that, but I think most box brownies are better. Yeah, than homemade brownies. Prove me wrong. Yeah, send send us your recipes. Anyways, now that we're done with brownie chat, <laughs> housekeeping. Some housekeeping. So we're gonna do a little test. If you haven't heard us complaining about how difficult it is to make a podcast, <laughs> then you haven't listened to any episodes before this because we complain about it every episode. Anyways, we're going to do a little test, try out like a bi-weekly release schedule, give ourselves some breathing, more breathing room. Part of the part of this decision is we've just not had enough time to watch Pretty Little Liars lately. I, know. I feel it affecting my mental health. Yeah. And we're going deep into, we're getting into winter months. I need all of the serotonin I can get. And I need more time for Pretty Little Liars in my yes. life. Which is also, you know, a way, f watching Pretty Little Liars is how we cultivate all of our amazing mm -hmm. ideas for episodes. Yeah. So we're going to do a, a, 
a it trial like, bi-weekly release. Yeah. Effective immediately. Yeah. So next week there won't be an episode, but the week after there will be. Uh, because it also, because we're not doing like a rewatch podcast, the episodes require a lot more mm-hmm. prep. They require Most more prep. Of Some of them we've not prepped for that much, but it also just requires like that we have new ideas to like, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, we still have a long list of episode ideas, mm-hmm. but you know, eventually we'll burn through those. And we haven't had a new episode idea in quite some time because we're not watching Pretty Little Liars Exactly. Enough. Exactly. So to make time for what's truly important, which is watching Pretty Little Liars. And we would encourage anybody that has been listening to this every week, take that hour, two hours that you would have spent that week and watch Pretty Little Liars. Yes. That's exactly. what we'd like you to do. With, we're gifting with our, you this with time. Our, with our off weeks. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> So should we now get into the the actual episode? Yes. What we're actually talking about this week, which is the Rosewood PD. Yes. Um, and the general portrayal of the police in Pretty Little Liars. We've mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. And I think we've mentioned you- this in the introduction. Yeah, we mentioned this in the introduction <laughs> to of this podcast, which, which don't listen don't to that. Listen it's to not that. good. <laughs> It's not good. But it's really bad to take her word for it. If you, did, if you haven't listened to the introduction, don't. But, um, like, and if you've watched Pretty Little Liars, you know, the portrayal of the police is not positive. No. It is. the I, it's what, And this is, I think, what makes it so unique yes. to other shows of this, like, crime-solving ilk. Mm-hmm. Is that it is not a positive portrayal of the police. Like that, the police are ineffective, they're corrupt, they're the bullies. Re- the relationship between the police and our main characters is only ever adversarial, mm-hmm. except for 6A, right after they get right. out of the dollhouse. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it is. And the police are never presented as the, the people who are figuring anything out. No, the police have never solved anything in their lives. No. Uh, But so in this way, it is kind of the antithesis of propaganda. Exactly. It is, it is an ACAB show. Mm -hmm. Now, our caveat here that we want to be clear about is that while its portrayal of police is quite ACAB, the show itself is not anti-racist. No. Uh, most notably, you know, I think we should talk about the fact that every black character that has lines in the show is killed, other than Clark, who is a cop. And Barry Maple. And Barry Maple, who is a cop. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because Yvonne, Nate, Maya, Shauna, dead. All dead. And, and we never see any of their funerals. We don't get any of their funerals, Mm-mm. which is odd. Yeah. We should have seen Maya's funeral. Yeah, Maya's at least. I think it would have been interesting to see Nate's. It would have been interesting, but I don't know why we would have been there. Or why it would have been in Rosewood. No. Yeah. It would have been difficult to have the funeral at the murder church. Yeah. We did see, I guess, a glimpse of Shauna's. Yeah, we saw a... We saw Aria watch part of a recording (laughs) of her funeral. But, yeah. So the show has... Issues oh, this is, with its portrayal. By no means do we think this is like the perfect progressive, like 
a cab anti-racist show yeah. we've talked about fat phobia we've talked about have we talked about the ableism yet i don't think so but we'll get there yeah like this is not part like, of the, me doesn't want to touch it <laughs> i don't know that i want to touch it but, no promises that we will in fact get there right um but you know this is not a bastion of progressive ideas yeah that's but it's portrayal it of police. interesting yeah, how accurate. it is portraying police yeah and honestly it's probably pretty accurate yeah yeah um okay so to i think the way into i think talking about the police Haley, i think mm -hmm. is let's go through each of the police that we see in the show yeah each you know police officer detective whatever in and i think we're going to do this in order of relevance yeah so we're going to start with the least relevant that we see and this is named police right. obviously uh named and like have lines yeah named and in like more than one episode yeah um so the most the most irrelevant of the named you know police officers that we see is detective briar and you might be thinking to yourself who <laughs> you're correct and but if you can imagine because you would not recognize the name no. i would not expect you to i had to look this up yeah but imagine in your mind that police officer that thinks that they were pranking them pranking the police with the like rat blood on the trophy in the bad seed episode the, yeah in the in the bad seed episode so we're that like guy. this is this is season one yeah we get like and i think there are a few other like random cops that come in throughout the beginning of season one we yeah. don't really like and then i don't know what their names are they're not relevant detective briar is like the least they're the most relevant of the least relevant. <clears throat> yeah, I think because Detective Breyer comes in in the period, I think, because, like, obviously we do start with Wilden mm -hmm. in the show, and Detective Breyer comes in after Veronica calls Wilden out and, like, gets him taken off the case when he, in the perfect storm, he, like, interrogates the girls without an adult present. The only time they've ever cared about that in the show. But, uh, <laughs> and he gets taken off the case for a while. Detective Breyer is the one that gets put on, I think. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the rap blood. Yes. And his, so we his can move on from him. Because we don't. This is the only, yeah. only thing that we have. I was always so confused mm -hmm. by, like, why the immediate thought was not like, oh, these girls found a trophy covered in blood and just like turned it in like why were they like blaming mm -hmm. them and thinking that this was a prank and then i was watching the episode recently and i realized it's because the trophy is fake there was no golf oh, yeah. tournament in hilton head so like if you don't if, because the cops don't know about a mm -hmm. they their thought is not oh someone else made a fake trophy, planted it for these girls, it, like, that it was a prank on them. They think mm -hmm. these girls made this fake trophy yeah. and turned it in. Yeah. So that makes more sense. It's still wild, the it's way still, they treated them. It's still like, wild. Like, these are girls who, very recently, the body of their dead friend was found. Their missing yeah. friend was found. And you think they're out here and you think they're just the like, Oh, yeah, wouldn't it be so funny if we did this? Yeah. You know how 
uh, somebody close to me was recently murdered and their killer has never been caught and the police are actively searching for them. What if I made the cops not like me? Mm -hmm. What if I just played a little prank on the cops? Yeah. Do you think that would help? Yeah. Do you think that that No, it's crazy. But this is actually, though, this is the beginning of kind of, we see the way the police in this town instantly distrust these girls. Yeah. Who, again, are teenagers, but we get to, like, we get to them saying wild things about, we, they thought, we thought, the cops thought they were planning something big. They thought that they needed to, like, separate these teenagers into, like, five different prisons so that they couldn't coordinate. Just insane, the level of, like. Like, it, it gets to a point where the police in Rosewood think that these five teenage girls are, like, the Fast and Furious gang. Absolutely, Yeah. (laughs) And, and they have the, that no level of skill. <laughs> There's no. no support for that. And but how did they get fake trophy? It's, it is it is an exceptional level of effort for a yeah. teenager. But I also want to talk though real quick about what a smart move that was for Mona. Good work, yeah. Mona. Yeah. Good work, Mona. Because it absolutely it makes the cops trust them less. It makes them trust the cops less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The early season, like I mean. Pretty Little Liars better than any other show. I think really lays the ground for groundwork for why they don't go to the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hear a criticism a lot where it's like, oh, like why don't they go to the police? They That's, have really good reasons. Yeah, first of all, they blinded a girl. Yep, <laughs> they blinded a girl. They're being blackmailed with it. That's the kind of crime you don't admit to unless you you are like, it is life or death. I have Mm -hmm. to admit to this crime or I'm going to die. But then by the time that it gets to life or death for them, there's so many other things. There's so many other things. They've they've killed Shauna. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anyway, should we move on? Yes. We can move on from Detective Breyer to the next next most irrelevant, which is Clark. Clark. He was Arya's personal cop assigned, undercover cop assigned to her. Yeah. I think it's, like, so funny that, like, she was the only one who seemed to have yeah, a cop assigned to her. I, and and what I think that it is. So, like, Tanner I'm, knew that her parents were absentee. Well, that. Yeah, Tanner was and like, she's, people cannot keep track of her. I also think it happens, she meets Clark right after she tells Byron that she, so she tells Byron that she's going to the photo lab mm-hmm. but then she doesn't do that and she goes and does other shit right mm-hmm. and byron like freaks out and then the next day when she goes to the photo lab again so you think byron i called, think byron called yeah. the cops called the police called tanner and was just like i am so scared yeah my understandable. daughter understandably these girls were kidnapped and that kidnapper is still on the loose yeah and Arya's acting like business and just, as like, usual kidnapped. they were kidnapped and Hel- put into a yeah. doll an underground dollhouse where this person had recreated their room had the amount of effort and obsession that they yeah, had to go into lot. that that person wants them back mm-hmm. um but so i think that that's what it is but i also like the idea that tanner was like i just don't trust this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i've always felt like. like i think it was probably byron calling yeah. but in my mind it was tanner just being like mm, let's keep a close eye on let's this keep one. a closer eye on that one <laughs> Yeah. And then later she sees the photography and she was like, I was right too. <laughs> um, next. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. About I don't that. really either. Yeah. He'd be kind of, we get the reveal that he's undercover at the 
at prom. prom. Yeah. And then, eh. Yeah. Never seen again. Yeah. I will say, it is a, he, he should not have encouraged her photography in that way. He, yeah. He was so he, weirdly supportive of her photography in a way where it was like, it's like the police hired him both as protection and as like a life coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was weird. He And he, it was like, his, he should have seen her photography and raised more red flags. Yeah. I'm assuming he raised some, but she probably should have been in like mandatory therapy. Yeah. She should have been at Radley, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, next. Moving Lorenzo. on from Clark, Lorenzo. Uh, Lorenzo, my main thing for him is he commits the ultimate crime of making Allie boring. It's true. It, Lorenzo. So, like, the thing is, so. And I feel like she losing him to her when the the moment she like slips back to her old like manipulative ways and like steals his badge yeah. to break in to see the investigation or whatnot and then when she loses him i think it makes her more boring it like it it makes her double down she's like oh wait i really yeah. need to like i need to be conscious of this like i relapsed yeah she was finally the alley we know and love yeah. and then you know he like broke up with her and they weren't even really dating but yeah. whatever because of that and she then just like doubles down on being boring mm-hmm. uh and yeah and then he comes back in the five years forward i think just because they don't want to introduce it unfortunately they were like we don't want to introduce a new cop right away but the last cops we left off with were like lorenzo and like tanner and we can't have tanner be back immediately right she's state police well and, and so Actually, an, another big part of it is probably the fact that he his contract was for, like, season six. Oh, yeah. Pretend, yeah. And since we did, like, the mid-season five years forward, yeah. we don't see him in season seven, if I'm no. remembering correctly. How much do we see him in season six? Not eight? much. Not much. Who, who but it's kind of like, oh, there? we have this guy. is Because he's the only police Marco. We get to know Mark. We get to meet Marco. I I didn't think we met Marco until because right, you're she right. meets Marco the night that they kill Rollins. Which yeah, is the end of six, the beginning of seven. So Toby, it's just Lorenzo and Toby, and Toby's kind of off his cop shit in the five years forward yeah. thank god he's building back houses on, he's back on watching his jimmy fallon contractor business yeah building houses and binging <laughs> fallon god like a weird alien <laughs> but um yeah that's weird that lorenzo is our point of contact for all of 6b for the cops but i don't feel like we see him much so like the cops yeah seen much of the cops but is i guess yeah is lorenzo the one that is like talking to Ashley about. The... Are we sure that Tanner isn't back right away? Because, or fairly quickly, because Charlotte's dead. Yeah. So somebody's solving that, and I feel like they would probably bring Tanner in for that. <laughs> but I think it might be Lorenzo. Okay, hold on. I wonder if it was up. Yeah, I think that there's more Lorenzo in Six B than we're remembering. That um, just shows how forgettable he's he is. The most forgettable. So let's forget about him. <laughs> so let's on. forget about him and move on to. Our honestly favorite. shining light of the Rosewood PD, Barry, Barry Maple. My favorite part of the five years forward, and maybe this is, we also see 
is that Barry has been promoted to detective. Yes. So happy for him. Well, he was like a beat cop before. Yeah. I don't know. I just felt like he brought such a, he brought such a, um, when Barry Maple was there, it was like, it's, things are under control. Yeah. Things aren't going to go too far off the rail. It's such a presence. Like, he did. He had a calming presence. He yes. had a, he had a level head. Sorry, I just had the, I just had the thought that I'm like, like, if I had to pick, <laughs> like, Barry Maple, like, if, I would want, like, in the delivery room. <laughs> I'm I just, just his calming presence. I'm just saying, like, I, I would like, grab a beer with Barry Maple. Yeah, but... that too. But there's just, you feel well taken care of if yeah. Barry Maple is well, there. I feel like when Barry is there, you feel as though he is the one person who is not actively out to get these girls. Yes, exactly. And that, I think, is what makes him the only, like, redeemable cop yeah. on the Rosewood PD. Yeah. That being said, all cops are bastards, and I want to know, what does Barry Maple think of his colleagues? Yeah. Right? Like, what is he making of the shit going on around him? Like, what does he think of Wilden? Right? Like, yeah, the only, the one time that we see Barry and Wilden kind of interact is when Pam brings in all the stuff that Lyndon James had sent to, or Lyndon James's family had sent to yeah. Emily, he's dead at this point, and uh, she's kind of asking Barry what because of course you would go to barry Mm -hmm. that's your you know barry's the only one who you she's she's friends with barry yeah and so she goes to barry and asks about and he's like oh you know like actually like you should talk to detective wilden and he kind of calls wilden over and he's like this is much more his area of expertise so it's not a honestly not great look for barry Mm -mm. it does it doesn't again all cops are bastards. Yeah. It does imply, unfortunately, Barry Maple, our favorite, is on decent terms with Wilden. I think sometimes, though, I get the vibe from Barry that he doesn't like Wilden. Yeah, look, and I don't think he they're is just kind of like he. I think he thinks Wilden is bad at his job. Interesting. So you you think that Barry interprets it as him being Barry interprets Wilden's behavior and everything as incompetence, not corruption. I mean, I think both. Okay. I mean, I think there's an, and I think that there is an element of both. Yeah. Like, I think Barry definitely sees some of that corruption, definitely thinks that, you know, Wilden's an asshole. Yeah. But I do also think Barry kind of, I think Barry, maybe not bad at his job, but thinks he maybe doesn't deserve the position he's in. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um, Moving on. Holbrook. Um, Holbrook is state police, technically, so yes. not Rosewood PD. He shows up after Wilden's dead. Yeah. Is on the dating alley beat. Yeah, not until, it's interesting. Oh, Holbrook, you're right, that is later. Holbrook starts out, like, you're like, oh, this is a normal cop. Yeah. And then. And Rosewood corrupts him. Yeah. He was I just mean, he guzzling before, that but, water. And yeah. he. It starts with Hannah. Yeah. It and starts like with like blurring books. some lines with Hannah. And then Allie, Allie comes back and suddenly all the gloves are off. He's full on corrupt cop making out with teenagers at dances. 
teenagers under suspicion of yeah well dressed faking as faking a kidnapping well dressed as like dirtbag santa <laughs> oh so dirtbag santa so dirtbag santa uh and they also they like meet his dad remember that oh yeah they go and, like find his dad because he just like falls off the face of the earth and then i don't think he ever comes back no holbrook straight up falls off the face of the earth did Allie kill holbrook well I think he does. I think the ice dance, the ice ball is him coming. He comes back. That's his coming back. Is that him coming back? And then I don't think we see him again. Okay. I think, like, he disappears, and that's when they go, and they, like, you know, find his dad or looking for him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up at the ice ice ball. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Ellie might have killed Holbrook. Because he just disappears. Yeah. Some might say that, and this is at at this point, Holbrook is the second cop that Allie's dated. Yeah. After Wilden. Um, next <clears throat> is Toby. Toby. Now I know you guys might be thinking, Toby is the most relevant. No, Toby's the most relevant character out of all of these. He's not the most relevant in terms of police work. No. His cop presence in the show is We've ranked it correctly. <laughs> yeah. I think the if thing... If anything, he could maybe be lower. I think so. Um, I think the thing about Toby as a cop is it just doesn't make... It's hard to reconcile that with the Toby we meet in season one. Toby hates the cops. Toby hates the cops in season one. Toby and is... And Toby, yeah. And Toby literally has a record... Yeah, Toby has no interest in law enforcement. And then, unfortunately, to make him more relevant to the story, mm-hmm. we have to make him a cop. Yeah, they were like... He goes to Instant Police Academy. Yeah. And three hours later is a cop. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous to me that, like... Toby really thought, like, this was how he was going to help Spencer. And it's like, Toby, you of all people have always been aware that, like, that, that it's classic. I can change it from the inside. Mm-hmm. Guess what? He couldn't. He, he did didn't. not. He got coffee. Mm-hmm. He got coffee for people. He accomplished nothing. Yeah. If anything, I think he could have, he might have made it worse for them. I think so. Because his he was a tool for Tanner to use. Yeah. To keep to tabs, keep on, tabs on them. Yeah. yeah. Um I also just real quick, the gummies. Yeah, that whole thing. First of all, I I eating candy out of people's backpacks. Yeah. Like I guess it's his girlfriend, but still, like he stole her candy. Yeah. And then was just like fistfuls of gummy bears which i can't like, even imagine how high he must have been i don't i mean these were like homemade i guess so they're probably they might not be that strong yeah. but still how many I mean, milligrams must have been do we so think? high and i also just don't think that it would have taken that long like no. i think it would have hit he him sooner yeah like how because they were even they even make a point of saying they had to like go outside of their like jurisdiction mm-hmm. like they're in another town yeah no way that that drive took less than 20 minutes he should have been feeling something before then and 
but how many milligrams do we think he took? I'm going to say... Easily 100. Oh, I was going to say 200. I mean, like, let's say I bet you those... I bet you a gummy bear is probably not more... It's probably, like, five. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because this is, this is a... It's a homemade, homemade thing, thing, and also, like, it's not... If you're going to eat, like, gummy bear, edible gummy bears... Yeah. You're not going to just want to necessarily eat one. Yeah. I Have guess. a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you each gummy bear is like probably five. Five, yeah. And so, so that that's where I got that to 100 milligrams. Yeah. How many? 20. Gum- 20. Okay. Yeah. But I also could see it easily being 40. <laughs> 40 gummy bears. Yeah. And being around like 200. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I think it's like 100 to 200. Yeah. Which is a lot. Um. Yeah, no, he probably slept for days. Yeah. He had such a good sleep. Also, he should have gone to the hospital. Did he not? No, because he didn't, he didn't want the cops, like, all of his You're right. buddies to know. You're right. And I guess, like, it could have gotten Spencer. In tr- either he would be in trouble or Spencer would be in trouble. Yeah, you're right. Um, this I mean, is a different time. I don't think he needed to go to the hospital. Um, I mean, I don't know. He was... I, I know you can't, like, OD... Yeah, hundred like, milligrams. Look, a hundred milligrams is you're a lot. right. You don't need to go to the hospital for it, though. Yeah, probably right. Okay, should we move on from Toby? Yeah, let's move on from Toby to Marco Fury. Marco Fury, um, he comes in. We meet him at the Radley Bar. He hooks up with Spencer in an elevator. Yeah, it's sexy. Yeah, again, a reason why they needed to transition to free form. Yeah. Um, but also, like, how old is he? Unclear. Because he's that Spencer at this not point in is, his 20s. Spencer at this point is 23. Yeah. I would conservatively put Marco 38. <laughs> I'm not I, joking. I'm conservatively, oh. Yeah. yeah he's quite old. <laughs> he's quite old. Conservatively. 35. 36. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this man's at least 36. And I think, like, yeah, it's a great point. I don't think, like, we think about it as much because we're like, oh, now they're adults. So we're kind of just like, oh, any relationship is fine because we've been yeah. conditioned to see teenagers dating, you know, people in their early to mid 20s. Yeah. And we're like, gross, bad. Yeah. And then that happens and you don't really think that much of it because you're like, oh, she's an adult now. No. Yeah, she's, like, barely an adult. No, this 40-year-old man shouldn't be dating this 30-year-old. No. Yeah. And then he, of course, has to, like, recuse himself. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he falls into the orbit of Spencer Hastings, and that's a life-changer, as we know. And and it's honestly the best decision he ever made for himself was getting out. Oh, 100%. That was a great decision for himself. But also, I just want to talk about the embarrassment of having to go to, like, your boss Mm -hmm. and then the, like, state police lady that comes in and be like, so I, a 45-year-old man, (laughs) have uh, been hooking up up with this 23-year-old girl, and and I now think she might be using me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think she might be using me to get away with murder. <laughs> yeah, and what's wild about it, too, is it's not as if she wasn't a suspect before. 
No, yeah, she was definitely like, a suspect. She in was a suspect murder. in Cece's murder, and he still thought this will be fine. This is fine. It's fine. For no me, way this will be a fifty-two-year-old man to date this twenty-three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> for the record, I don't think that the actress fifty-two. I just want to make that clear. It reminds me of how um, he's he is. I think beekeeping age. <laughs> Or close. Well, it's just got me thinking about um, Bowie Jane in Big Brother and how she told everyone she was 35. Yeah. Meanwhile, this woman was 45. Yeah. I think she turned 46 in the house. Didn't look a day younger than 42. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's for those Big Brother fans that listen. (laughs) Um. Is that everything for Marco Fury? I think that's everything for Fury. Yeah. Um, I think hot. he's... Yeah. He was hot. Um, I, think I thought the whole, like, Italian dinner thing he did for Spencer was fun. That was fun, yeah. Sweet. Even though it was kind of weird that... It was kind of weird because he asked Toby did. about what she liked, but... Yeah. Um, I guess. But I think Marco Fury, hottest cop? Uh, Linda Tanner might be hotter. <laughs> But, like, Linda Tanner's hotness comes from her yeah, personality. It's, a it's more like, less looks. Full package thing. Yeah. Fury, the looks-wise, Fury's the hottest cop. I think so, yeah. I like that for Spencer. Okay. So, so next. Next most relevant. Garrett. <laughs> the way we just said Garrett is so weird. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Garrett is, what to say about Garrett? <laughs> I don't really know. Garrett joins the police to cover up a murder he didn't, he didn't commit. To cover up him pretending to murder someone. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting how much effort he puts into this cover-up. Like, yeah. why does he steal page five from the autopsy? So, I know, like, we talked about the fact, I think with that night and everything, we did kind of go through a lot of Garrett's motives. I think part of the problem is this is an unsolved murder. They really don't have a suspect. Yeah. If Jenna comes forward and tells the cops, I heard Mm -hmm. Garrett kill Allison. Yeah. He's number one suspect. Yeah, but I think I just have to imagine. Yeah, but I do have to imagine that a rock and a shovel have a much different effect on a skull than a peeled hockey stick. Maybe not, though. Yeah, but also. Does Jenna know for sure that it was a field hockey stick? True, true, true. And so I think that he, he's covered, his reasoning for like covering things up is that he But then he did see Byron, see her, like, yeah, but how much, how much water does that really hold? If If you're under, if you, if they're like, hey, you're our number one suspect in this murder and you're like, I saw her with someone else. Yeah. But I still just feel like the ceiling of the page doesn't really do much for him. Like, I feel like that was more risk than it was worth. Mm-hmm. Because I agree. it one, I can't, they, they already knew what the murder weapon was mm-hmm. Two, like stealing it. I feel like is a bigger risk than just hoping that it doesn't lead them directly to him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think well, he wasn't very smart. Yeah. yeah it, clearly, I think Jenna had to have been maybe, like, the driving force of, like, oh, we should steal, we need to steal this, like, part of the autopsy. Yeah, but she's blind. 
So why steal the actual part of the autopsy? You could have just given her a paper. <laughs> so you, yeah, you're sorry to Garrett, say it, but yeah. Garrett. And I mean, obviously, it is ultimately his undoing because he gives her the real. He steals the yeah. actual paper, gives it to her, and then she Insane. turns it into the cops. Yeah. Why would he do that? <laughs> it does seem crazy from Jim done that. You're right. But I again, we also just have to conclude that Garrett is not the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, no, he's definitely not. No. Um, anything else? I mean, no. it's wild that this man who was in a peeping Tom child pornography club in high school then goes on to become a cop. But true to life, maybe. Yeah. That that actually feels perfect. I don't think that the most stand up people are going into the No, that's, that's a big part of the, of the problem. Uh, All right. And then next up, Wilden. Wilden. Wilden is the best villain of the show. Agreed. For sure. Just the perfect amount of menacing. Mm-hmm. And and like obviously his role in like the pilot coming like he yeah. ugh, it's so good he plays it so well I lo- I love Wilden I, I know yeah like I mean I hate Wilden oh but, obviously he's awful but I think like his I think his connection to the crime makes him so interesting yes um you know to recap he it was a, a cop when uh Ali was hit over the head by Cece mm-hmm. and then Cece was sent or Charlotte was sent back to Radley. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of the one that uh, Jessica De Laurentiis called to help cover it up. Basically. Yeah. Say you found her walking on the side of the street somewhere anyways. But, and then did he use that almost a, next time we see him a year later, he's a detective. Yeah. Well, he I gets mean, that promotion. Eddie Lamb says that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Eddie Lamb says, like, that, you know, how, how, he says to Spencer, he's like, how does a beat cop rise to the ranks so quickly? And I think Barry Maple picked up on that. And that's I why so. I think Barry Maple has a little bit of a a bone to pick with Wilden. Yeah. Um, but also, again, another example of Wilden being corrupt. He was also the corrupt cop who covered up the Mar- uh, Marion Kavanaugh's. Mm-hmm. He covers murder. up two murders for Jessica De Laurentiis. Yeah. Um, Dirtiest cop? Well, I mean, we get to see his apartment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else on Wilden? Um, I think I think we've done this math at some point, and I oh, don't yeah. know how accurate it is, but I think I do want to call out, there's a high chance... That he was 28 yeah. when he was dating 14-year-old Allie. Or yeah. hooking up with 14-year-old like, Allie. At best, 26. Yeah. Like, anyways, it, he is the dirtiest cop, I think, ugh. out of all of them. Yeah. He's... Yeah. And also, like, you know, not to defend, like, Ian or anything, right? But, like... At least Ian was, like... Well, Ian was younger yeah, and also wasn't sleeping with Allie. We right. know that Wilden we know that. was. Yeah. Wilden, I think, was the only one that was. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Wilden. So gross. Love him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
last, our the person we put in most relevance, Linda Tanner. Linda fucking Tanner. Oh, there was also like the FBI at one point, and I think they they're in names. like the, we're not gonna yeah, yeah they're irrelevant. Um, the FBI, whatever. We're all about the state police here. Linda Tanner. I love Linda Tanner for, for so, so many reasons. I think she is such a great adversary for the girls where the actress who plays her does such a good job and like i just where i think wilden was such a great villain Mm -hmm. linda tanner is a really great foil Mm -hmm. that is not villainous yeah right like at no point does she like really like break rules even right yeah she isn't ostensibly she's not like corrupt yeah. She's just out to get these girls in a way that doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense, but then you all, it does make sense in some ways where you're like, these girls are lying to her all the time. And she's picking up on and that. She, I love that scene yeah. when um, she's new to town. Oh, yes. And For she's, Claymore. she's talking to Hannah and like Hannah's trying to throw the scent off of her mother when it comes to like Wilden's murder. Yeah. Linda- so, so like Hannah's trying to Hannah thinks that she is just so far ahead. She's so much smarter than Linda. She's playing her. So she's sitting on the bench, she's trying to get a trying to understand what Linda knows. Mm-hmm. And then Linda just like expertly like turns the the questions on Hannah. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see how Hannah starts to like be taken aback of like, yeah, oh, it's, I maybe shouldn't be doing this. this and then is, Caleb comes up and is like, you shouldn't be doing this. It, here's what it is. It is the conversational equivalent of quicksand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every conversation that they have with Linda Tanner is like that. Yeah. She is walking quicksand. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's really good. And, um, she also has the incredible line, uh, like, when she's talking to Holbrook, this is when, they, she hasn't even met the girls yet, but we're meeting her for the first mm-hmm. time, and she has the line, uh, you know, they're, like, you know, asking Holbrook, like, oh, like, don't forget what we're here, what we're here for, whatever, and Holbrook is like, oh, yeah, we're here to solve a couple murders that the local cops keep trip or keep tripping over. And she's like, and to figure out what it is about those four pretty girls that attract so many bodies. <laughs> so good. So good. And like, and we talked about this in the perfectionist episode that they found, they struck magic with Linda Tanner, mm-hmm. with Tanner as a character and the way that she worked with those girls. And, they tried to do the same thing with Dana Booker in The Perfectionist, and it just didn't hit. I think that actress actually had the potential. Yeah. But I think we were missing motivations. We were missing connections there. Yeah. And there wasn't... And again, I think it's the shorter season, ultimately, to play. Yeah. Because she has to... Because of the time frame that we have, she had to, like, immediately suspect them. Yeah. And be, like, all in on, you know, believing that they did it. Whereas with Linda Tanner, I don't. I keep calling her Linda. I don't I know. know why. Because <laughs> we're just pals. Big Linda. <laughs> Anyways, it, with Tanner, it's really like she comes into it definitely being curious and a bit suspicious of these girls, and then they just keep lying to her. Yeah, and they keep being at seeming to be at the center of everything, mm-hmm. and her sort of like, but it's also not quite obsession, but like her her sort of like. I think she begins. 
what starts, it starts out, I think, for Tanner as seeing, she sees sort of accurately, right, the way that everything seems to twist and turn around these girls. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the point, though, where she herself starts to twist everything to fit that theory. Yeah. And every, that she is looking at the girls as being the center of everything, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not that may be true. Yeah. And I think part of the reason her entrance and her role is so refreshing and hits so well is because we have the previous four seasons or yeah. three seasons of the girls kind of sparring with the cops and mm-hmm. All of this back and forth, and, and like imp- straight imp- up villainous cop exactly going after them. So like they're just so like her makes so much sense, but it doesn't make as much sense to her because she didn't right. see everything that they went. But she does still kind of know. She, you know, she got handed a huge yeah. Like their folder. file is yeah so thick. I'm yeah. sure. Um, I yeah, Tanner. I think is just so good. I do love um, after the dollhouse. You can kind of see she feels some remorse mm-hmm. for the way in which she treated the girls. She did view these girls as... Yeah. Well, these girls had been kidnapped and held in a bunker. Yeah. And for most of that time, she, she had a manhunt out for them as though because they were again, criminals and wasn't looking she, at She thought they were planning something, something big. big. That's like a quote, guys. Yes. Like, she really lost touch, I think, with reality. At a, yeah, at a point. so many people in this town. Too. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's hard to blame her for that. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's hard to blame her for looking at Allison and being like, "This girl is mythic and all powerful." <laughs> yeah, the way that people talk are talking about her, the way, the things that are happening around her, I get it. Yeah, um, yeah. but I, yeah, but I I like kind of that those moments after the dollhouse mm-hmm. brief. Yeah. Um, where, but it, where it's the only it point where like they're not we at can the we can kind of trust yeah tanner a bit yeah um because i think yeah tanner is feeling guilty about the fact that yeah she was blinded she had blinders on mm-hmm. um yeah for you know the previous two yeah. seasons yeah uh so i think that's yeah yeah that's all the i th- now I think it's time to take it to the state fair and rank fattest pigs. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. So I think let's start with like the runts. So the sort of least corrupt. Yeah. Least corrupt. I think Barry. Yeah. I think, and and this is maybe this is like a bit of a grouping here. I think Barry, Lorenzo. We really don't see Lorenzo. Oh, but he does date a high schooler. He, he does. does not get to be lumped right. in with Barry. Clark. I take that back. Clark. Clark. Yeah, I think I think Barry and Clark. Then after that, after them, I think we get into Detective Briar. No, I think we get into Toby. Lorenzo Fury category. Yeah. Yeah. I think those three. Then I think we get Briar. I know we don't know a lot about Briar, but... You can sense a lot. From the look of him. Yeah. I don't trust that guy. Yeah. That guy's, like, old school, like, he's, like, 
on the mob like payroll or something the you know that russian mob <laughs> yeah. that is so prominent in yeah. rosewood as we know uh so yeah i don't trust that guy but Same. we don't know enough to put him into mm-hmm. the next category up which is i think or no i think i actually think briar is a fatter pig than tanner Oh, Tanner State Police. Yeah, I mean, right. I think, and I think we can't, as much as we, I, I think we love Tanner right. as, like, a character, she does make, she does, yeah, bully these teenage girls. It's true. And treat them as criminals. Yeah. And then, yeah, sure, they're, the end of they're the show. lying or not being totally truthful, but, you know, they are also teenage girls who and then the end of the show though where these girls are actually guilty and she knows it uh-huh. but she's like look it's an easier explanation for it to just be mary drake yeah that's a cleaner case i can get a conviction i'm gonna go with it yeah you're right you're right i think i think so i think like detective briar mm-hmm. and after briar i think <sighs> is holbrook, holbrook then tanner then tanner next, next fattest pig we're saying Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, because he's just again, he becomes a cop so much more intentionally to become corrupt. to be corrupt. Yeah. Like his the whole point of becoming a cop for him was covering up his fake murder. So still insane. I've got to imagine he's the dumbest of them all. And yes. that's including Toby. Yeah, we're including Toby in that. Um, Garrett's the dumbest of all the cops. Yes. And, and then, then the, the fattest, fattest pig, pig of them, them all. all. anyway yeah Yeah. um so the other wilden wilden yes he wins the spot fattest pig at the state fair surprising no one yep so the other thing i wanted to do now that we've ranked the fattest pigs the other thing i wanted to do was an alignment chart and obviously this is all on the evil side of course of an alignment chart um so it's lopsided um, but I want us to kind of sort these cops mm-hmm. into lawful evil, neutral evil, chaotic evil. Okay. So let's start with lawful evil. For me, I think Barry. I disagree. What do you think Barry is? I think, think Barry. neutral? I think Barry is neutral evil. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because, so he, I don't know, here's how I'm interpreting lawful evil in this. I'm interpreting this as the cops that use the system as it's meant to function, right? Mm-hmm. For their evil. Okay. Right. So, for example, Detective Breyer, who I feel like is probably really close with the cop, you know, the cop union rep. I think he he's like an old school by the book by the book kind of guy but like in an evil way because it's a rash evil way yeah Yeah. okay okay so like i'm i think briar i think fury Uh uh-huh um like i think that these are people that have sort of a and and i think tanner like i think that these are people that have this like strong sense of like the rules the the rules Mm -hmm. right but of course the rules are also evil right Okay, I'll allow. I agree. I agree on Tanner. Yeah. Briar and Fury. Yeah. Neutral evil? Neutral evil, I think there we're looking at 
Barry, Lorenzo, Clark, and Toby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Because they're just, you know. Except yeah. for Barry. We love Barry. We love Barry, but yeah. Uh, chaotic. chaotic. This is this is the big three. For this me. is this is the big three of the of the men of the cops dating teenagers. Yes, which is of course Holbrook, Garrett, and Wilden. Yep, in 100%. that order. Uh, and Garrett, in a sense, it is sort of his stupidity that makes him so chaotic. You just can't you can't predict his next move because it won't make sense. Yeah, it <laughs> it really won't. <laughs> He is he maybe the most chaotic? I think Garrett might be the most chaotic. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Because like Wilden, Wilden is chaotic evil in the sense that he's got a lot of evil irons in the fire, mm-hmm. and he is therefore difficult to predict because he's got a lot of different motivations, yeah. and you don't even know all of them. Uh, Holbrook is chaotic in the sense that he was like flipped a switch. It it was yeah. Garrett, on the other hand, is over here. Like plotting, Again, but with absolutely no plot? brain, absolutely no brain power no. behind it, <laughs> and it just means that he's making big moves. <laughs> they don't make sense. They don't make sense, and they they end up with him dead. Yeah. <laughs> they lead to him being dead. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, really, and and all of the sort of all the chaotic evil kind of gets taken out. Mm-hmm. Because a, a system just cannot continue to function this way. Yeah, totally. Next. Okay. Some general thoughts about the Rosewood PD. One, they're spending so much money protecting these So girls. much money. And failing. And failing. And I, like, I, I feel like they have to have, like, binders of, like, standard operating procedures for when they need to put these girls on 24 hour surveillance mm-hmm. and there's it's also like are they on surveillance for protection or are they on surveillance because we suspect them of something yeah there's like different flow I mean, charts for what you do in the give <laughs> depending on the, the situation time is that they they suspect them of something the the times that they're under there for protection is really just after the dollhouse now or the time when they think that they need to be under protection because they think Hannah's missing, but actually Hannah's kidnapped and all gone. Oh yeah, they put them under protection. Then you're right; um, it's mostly in the in the yeah future, in, in yeah. the future. There's some uh, the later seasons. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think early seasons. I don't think that they're under protection protective detail at all until after the doll. No, they're under active surveillance. Yeah. <laughs> Shout, shout out back to, to the perfectionist shout and out to the beacon guards. Uh, um, I also feel like they probably have like one of those like uh, accident countdown calendars, but it's like days since we suspect these girls have committed a crime. Yeah. Um, one thing I think that's interesting is that we start with, you know, everything's happening, all the investigation is being done by the Rosewood PD. And then when Holbrook and Tanner come into play, we've elevated it to the state police. Uh, you know, I guess... At one point we know, elevate it to the FBI, and then we downgrade we, it back to the local police. We actually elevate it to the FBI early on when we find Allie's body. That's mm-hmm. when the FBI is in there. Mm-hmm. And then I think they kind of are like, okay, yeah. like... It's the Camp Mona episode. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I just think it's, like, interesting to see how 
and I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know or understand how state police works with local police, but the state police in this instance really become ingrained oh, yeah. in the local police. I mean, Holbrook yeah. full-on like, becomes a Rosewood PD officer. Like, he, yeah, overnight, <laughs> it drinks the water, drinks the Kool-Aid, yeah. and is, like, like crazy corrupt and dating these teenagers. Two, these two were part of the White Elephant, the, like, the White Elephant Gift Exchange. They were embedded yeah. into the Rosewood PD. They become almost indiscernible from yeah the rosewood pd itself um yeah but I, I like the state police i like that as like a you know I've narrative tool morgan's pro okay. state police. as a narrative tool yeah <laughs> i liked the state police yeah totally um and it makes it just makes a lot of sense like once a cop is killed right it's like oh well now we're gonna bring in the state police mm-hmm. we didn't give a shit when it was this uh teenage girl that had been murdered and we hadn't solved it. Two. Two of them. Yeah. Two teenage girls have been murdered. Also a cop. Garrett had been murdered. <laughs> no one cared, though. <laughs> Nobody no. really liked him. But as soon as Wilden, as soon as Wilden was killed, they were like, we know this is, this investigation is going to be an absolute fucking mess. Yeah. We're not going to be able to solve this ourselves. There were just too many people with motive. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so next we wanted to kind of give some examples of why yeah. we think this, sh- this show overall has kind of like an ACAB approach is, you know, maybe not ACAB. Like we're not but getting like nuance. They're no. not giving like a and nuance I, I don't even know take on the criminal justice ACAB, system. But you could say it is not your typical cop representation on TV. No, because there's, there's not. There's truly not a redeemable cop in the bunch. Yeah. And the big thing is... is Except for potentially Barry Maple, but that is a side character we barely get much on. Um, And I think the main thing is how they're positioned amongst against our protagonists, as Mm -hmm. it is entirely adversarial until... Except for a brief period in 6A, season 6A. Like, other than that, they are always... We are always rooting for them to fail. Yeah. We are, and we are not showing them succeeding. <laughs> no. And the they're also, the police are always, like, harassing the people that they should be protecting. Yeah. Uh, that's just, like, a common theme through the show. Obviously, most apparent with Wilden, but, like, Tanner does it, too. Tanner like, does they're it. they're all... In fact, see, I would like, say with that Ashley, Tanner... The way Tan, Tanner is constantly asking these girls questions these teenage girls questions without a parent present without lawyers present without even bringing them into the station she'll find them at the brew yeah and she'll be like hey you know i was just thinking of this thing really she always approaches it like about that she always approaches it like you know how we're trying to solve this crime together right guys i was (laughs) thinking about this thing what are your thoughts but like let's talk like ashley Marin, right Mm -hmm. ashley Marin gets taken advantage of by this corrupt cop that corrupt cop is then murdered and the police then go after her Mm -hmm. she's falsely imprisoned yeah like her reputation is destroyed in this town i mean she was being framed for it so it kind of makes sense that way she was being actively framed but look i'm sorry 
it's the cop's job to figure that out. <laughs> That's yeah, their whole no, thing. Sure. Uh, it, it's not like it's not like there's some honor system. Like, hey, criminals, if you commit a crime, you can't try and blame it on someone else because <laughs> we right. can't figure that out. <laughs> um, yeah, they're always questioning minors without their parents around, and we only really bring it up as an issue once. Yeah, and I don't know what are the what are the rules. You absolutely. As a cop, you absolutely cannot be with, like, forethought. Like, it's one thing, I guess, I think probably if, you know. If Hannah approaches you while you're sitting on a bench eating yeah. lunch. Wanting to have a conversation. A <laughs> yeah. Or, like, the or if, like, you know, let's say you stop a kid on the street or something because mm-hmm. they're vandalizing it, that you catch them in the act of a crime or whatever. There's some communication that has to happen, right? But, like, you can't interrogate them mm-hmm. without an adult presence. Yeah. It makes me wonder how much of what Linda Tanner finds out would be admissible in court. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we'd gotten the alley court scenes are all just I like, actually excuse me, Your Honor. They were they were talking to a minor. They got that by talking to a minor without an adult <laughs> present. I'd like it to be struck from the record. Yeah. Also, real quick, the brilliance of Linda Tanner having them open, having Ashley open that uh, safety deposit box, Wilson safety deposit box, uh-huh. and being like, actually, Hannah can stay. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, but also, again, is like, is is a very underhanded tactic. Yeah, and it shows that like she's kind of she doesn't really have much evidence, but she feels pretty strongly about who her suspects are. <laughs> um. In terms of, like, everything, everything about Wilden. Everything about Wilden, I think, yeah. it speaks to their perspe- the show's perspective on cops. Eddie Lamb talks about, you know, basically, like, he, like, you know. Which also, honestly, Eddie Lamb saying that in relation to, like, Marion Cavanaugh's death mm-hmm. and, like, Jessica De Laurentiis, I think kind of implies that Jessica De Laurentiis and also is somehow she has some sort of influence. She has some pull within the police department, which again yeah. makes sense because she also uses Wilden to cover up for Charlotte. Yeah, and I think it it also shows like the fact that Eddie Lamb is saying Wilden's corruption is what allows him to rise through the ranks. Also speaks to the fact that like it's not about bad apples, right? Like mm-hmm. if his corruption is rewarded through professional success, it is inherently a systemic issue. Yeah, totally. And look, does the show come right out and say that? No, they no, do not. But it's clearly implied. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet, Wilden covered up two murders. Yeah. Yeah. And committed one. Yeah. <laughs> he killed. He killed another cop. Yeah. Did he only kill one person? That we know of, yeah. yeah. Wow. Emily killed more people than Wilden. Yeah. Um, I do think, like, part of that, like, adversarial role is the fact that, and kind of, you know, Arya comes out and says this to Tanner in the five years forward when Tanner's, like, being suspicious of them. And it's like, she says something along the lines of, oh, you 
you remember like when you pulled me out of a hole or something yeah. like that like because you know yeah the last time you tanner, were convinced that i was guilty yeah they're telling they're telling tanner we didn't do this we didn't do this and she's still suspecting them of charlotte's murder yeah and listen i get it you gotta like you gotta entertain the idea that these girls killed the person who kidnapped and tortured them yeah it makes sense that's yeah pretty clear about I, it. I do love how but her entrance it's, is just it's like interesting you guys were gone for five years no one dies <laughs> suddenly you come back bodies everywhere yeah <laughs> um but so like you have to entertain it but it is interesting that tanner does seem to fall back into that old habit yeah. of just centering the investigation mm-hmm. on these girls and not entertaining any other suspects or yeah um things that could have happened yeah um and just the so fact just that another she, example of cops being bad yeah the fact that she comes into it being like well, I've noticed a pattern. No one died. You guys came back. Someone died. Like, she's clearly twisting everything around these girls. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett very easily infiltrates the police to cover up his yeah. not murder. Yeah. He's with so much ease. That yeah. instant police he academy really is to, checking on nothing. He, really, he, Garrett himself, really speaks to the fact that police departments have, like, maximum IQs. Yeah. And he's well below that. Yeah. I also think the choice from the show to have the cop that has, for most of the show, been the one investigating what happened to Allison. Yeah. And to then Speaking have the... Of Wilden. Wilden, yes. And then to have that revealed that, like, he covered it up. Mm-hmm. He knew. Not only was he harassing these girls, these teenage girls, mm-hmm. he knew with like a hundred percent certainty, they had nothing to do with it. Yeah, he, he was doing that for the hell of it, and to be he he was like, I have to pin this on someone because I'll pin this on these, children. and I'm gonna pin it on these fucking children. Yeah, he made that choice. That was a choice he made. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a choice he and Jessica made. Yeah, insane that Jessica. Yeah, well, we expect Not that to... from Jessica. It's true, it's true. And and Wilden. Weirdly, I would almost expect more from a cop than I would from <laughs> Jessica De Laurentiis. Uh, the fact, like, yeah, I mean, let's, can we talk Toby for yeah. a second? I think, like, Toby really shows how you can go into being a cop with somewhat good intentions. Yeah. And how the system and how it all just, like, corrupts. Yeah. Like he that power that falls into fraternity that, like, brotherhood. He like he goes into it like to protect Spencer from from the police, the essentially, police, basically, yeah. And then uh, it gets to the point where he cares as much about being a police officer as he does about Spencer, mm-hmm. and it happens almost instantaneously. It, it's so it's quick. like he was brainwashed, yeah, because he was, yep. Um, overall, I mean, I think Toby and all of the, all of the police, the portrayal is, it ranges from just bumbling to inept and then to just like evil. Evil. Like, yeah. There's no insidious malice. Yeah. And I think that that's what's like unique about this is. 
and and you know share other examples of tv shows where the cops yeah. are you know are not the good guys yeah i can't think of any yeah and i'm not looking for ones where it's like oh it's like complicated right no no no, no. the cops are the bad guys yeah exactly share other examples yes but i think like it you know pretty little liars is unique in that sense and we're only ever portraying them yeah as the cops are the bad guys not and it's not because like there are shows right where it's like oh the cops are like the force that they're fighting it's because like you're following a criminal exactly like let's say like a breaking bad type situation right and you could say that we are following a criminal sure sure they've certainly committed crimes but but they're not like bad people exactly right and they're not often the things that they're being framed for or like harassed and bullied and like targeted by the police for are not things that they did mm-hmm. yeah um an example of them i think just being bad at investigating is the fact that the de Laurentiis continue to build their gazebo yeah we talked about this in that night but like they pour the cement the next day the next day the cement is poured daughter's missing i'd be calling the contractor and say like hey i you would forget the contractor would show up and you'd be like i'm so sorry our daughter is missing i can't (laughs) deal with this today and they'd be like i understand we'll come back later we'll cut but honestly you let us know if you would like us to ever come back. <laughs> yeah. But I think, like, the fact that the Rosewood PD sees the fact that they pour the concrete yeah. the next day, continue also, building the gazebo, like, that should be red flags, oh, don't you think? the biggest red flags. But is it is it ineptness, right? Is it ineptitude? Or is it just Wilden? Well, but even then, Wilden's not a detective yet. So... Yes, he... You're right, he's not. He's not a detective when Allie goes missing. Yeah. Is this an example of Jessica De Laurentiis's power Maybe, over yeah. the Rosewood PD? Whatever this, like... Look I the think other way. Jessica sits on a lot of boards. I think Jessica has money. They were pouring that cement on Labor Day. Wow. <laughs> Jessica never ceases to surprise me. <laughs> In the lengths yeah. of her evilness, <laughs> just oh god, um, um, yeah, I, I, I think that this is an example of they're not going to look too closely at Jessica, yeah, and at the De Laurentiis because the De Laurentiis have a certain amount of money and power in the town, mm-hmm. and so even though the family should always be the first place that you look, I don't think that they, I, I, I think that they chose to look the other way. I don't think that it was ineptitude. I think that it was Corrupt. corruption. Yeah. It's it very much, uh, you know, Veronica Mars situation when her friend goes missing or her, fr- her friend is murdered mm-hmm. and like the family is clearly suspicious, but he's like a huge tech billionaire guy. So the cops don't look at it. the, her dad accuses him and gets ousted as sheriff because his, him accusing this family is so unpopular. Anyways. Yeah. I think it's corruption. Yeah. So a few a few of the, like, highlights for me of the cops being bad or just, like, mm-hmm. the insults to cops in the show. Uh, there's when Holbrook and Tanner 
open Wilden safety deposit box. The fact that Holbrook sees the gun, he's like, oh, you think this is his drop gun? Like, it's just an accepted thing that, yeah. like, this cop would be dirty and has, like, a drop yeah. gun and all this cash. And then in that same episode, this is 404, Caleb has the line, Rosewood's finest, can't find their nightsticks with both hands. <laughs> so good. Uh, another little thing that I think is interesting, again, so in 406, after Hannah's been arrested for the gun, she's sitting in the interrogation room and there is a framed photo of Wilden in the interrogation room. Like, we've established that he's a dirty cop and we still have, like, a framed photo of him. Yeah. And it's just a little detail that I think really speaks to the systemic corruption of the police. Uh, it's also, narratively from the show, it's a way of reminding Hannah that the police are not to be trusted. Yeah. Right? Like, Wilden serves as that reminder that, like, she can't trust these people. And she was right, because then shortly after they do arrest her mother for a crime <laughs> she didn't commit. Yeah. Um, the best so, insults, though. Yeah. So I think, like, what th this is, you know, the title of this episode is an homage to this. Yeah. Um, the the way in which the show continually uses pigs and pig imagery to talk about the cops. Yes. It's quite great. Um, so obviously, like, Wilden's death. Yeah. Is the main one, right? It's yeah. Like, first of all, incredible, right? Like they find his cop car in the middle in the middle of town in front of the church, which yes. I also think is a bit of from Cece or Charlotte is like a commentary mm -hmm. on Wilden and on the police. Mm -hmm. It's like a condemnation of them, I think. Open the trunk. Dead. It's a dead pig. It's a dead pig. <laughs> yeah. And then Then the next morning when they're driving through town. Whoa. Well, before that, oh. sorry. and then they're watching the news, trying to see if there's anything about Wilden's cop car, and there isn't. And Hannah says, uh, "It's all it's all about like the lodge fire." And Hannah says, "I guess fire trumps dead pig." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then they're driving through town. I think to go, are they are they going to Mona's, Mona's lair? lair? Yeah. So they're driving through the center of town and, you know, out in front of the church, there's all of the cops are there. And, you know, I think there's probably some media there and there's just a lot going on. A lot on. of activity. Yeah. And Emily says, all this for a muddy cop car and a dead pig. And then, once again, and then we see like the, 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 breeze, the breeze and then you see that it is, in fact, it is Wilden's dead body. It is a, it dead, is a dead pig. <laughs> <laughs> um some other ones so those were all 401 401 chock full of <laughs> pig references then there's also uh in the five years forward ad so this would be alex drake uh when hannah kind of confesses to killing charlotte right uh and ad tells her to essentially turn herself into her and she says to Hannah, no pigs in the text. Which yeah. I love a little. And then another great one from Charlotte is when the girls are in the dollhouse and Allie is out of prison in protective custody. All the cops are all over her house. And, oh, wait, this isn't Charlotte. 
I, I was thinking that this is Charlotte, but it's not because this isn't Charlotte. This is Allie is trying to escape. So this is yeah. Caleb, Ezra, Toby, and Allie do this, mm-hmm. which is upstairs to like they get all of the cops kind of to go searching the house so that Allie can escape. And they have like a mannequin with a pig mask sitting in the rocking chair upstairs. Yeah. And I, in my head, I was like, oh, that's Charlotte, but it's not. Yeah. Because it's all a distraction so Allie can escape to yeah, go you're right. to the bunker. You know what that made me think of, though? The Perfectionist and Pigman. Yeah. Is Pigman maybe... I'm now going to put it out there, guys. Yeah. Pigman is Dana Booker. Yeah. I think Pigman is Dana Booker. I think that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you guys haven't seen The Perfectionist, at some point, for some reason, there's a Pigman in a sewer. Yeah. I think that that pig man is the cop. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that that is everything. Yeah. it The, the pig references are so good. They're so good. And just kind of, I think they, they start in 401. That's the first time, I think, that we yeah. get, like, they use the terminology pig. But it does continue even, you know, a little bit into the five years forward there. Yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, anything else about the Rosie PD? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll never get over the fact that Toby becomes a cop in the middle of like their in like beginning of their senior year. Yeah, seemingly instantaneously. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. Uh, like he he becomes a cop in between. I mean, I think we're the gonna... Halloween train. Yeah, and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And I think we're going to break down that timeline a bit and figure out exactly how many days would have needed to be in between those two holidays for all that to happen. But Spoiler alert, it's not three and a half weeks. Uh, no. But given that it happened that time, two hours. Two yeah. hours he went to police academy. Yeah. It couldn't have been more. <laughs> couldn't have been. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. That um, was all this for a dead pig. Yeah. Leave us reviews. Email us. But yeah, so send us an email. Leave us reviews. Rate us on the different things. You can follow, follow us, us on TikTok. Instagram. Instagram. Um, that's it. Yeah, hopefully with this with this every other week release schedule. We can schedule, also do more TikToks. We can do some more TikToks. Uh, and once again, making TikToks is hard. Oh, so hard. Anyways, do you guys like hearing us complain every week about how hard this is? <laughs> sure, it's great. Anyways, cheerio, sister. Cheerio, sister. There'll be no-